When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now, it's time to get to work. Adam, the Broncos are going to be playing in their color rush uniforms. So, as if there wasn't enough anticipation and excitement about Sunday's game against the Eagles... There's probably going to be even more because the snot rocket is going to be on the Broncos helmets this Sunday. Yes, it's uh, very exciting. I don't want to rush to judgment, but uh, I do think they are the best uniforms that the Broncos currently wear. That's right. Bringing in the dad jokes today. I thought it would be fun. Uh, don't rush away now because it's uh, it's it's going to be a fun one. Orange, you glad you showed up. Um, <laughs> sorry, well, I, 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 I couldn't resist. I, I, I quote tweeted the Broncos uh, saying that the color rush and the snot rocket is going to be the logo this week. I said it, it needs to be the Broncos every game logo. And obviously one of the responses was, but the Broncos are 0 and five in the super bowl. That's not why they lost the super bowl. They, they didn't lose the super bowls because they were in orange uniforms. That's not why they lost the super bowl. So let's just throw that away. That's stupid. Bring the logo back. It's their best logo. It's iconic. I don't know. We don't need to go as far as bringing the light blue, black, the light blue back. Easy for you to, easy for me to say. But 
my, my biggest problem, I didn't realize we were going to have a Broncos uniform discussion. I don't know how you feel since you're in the Chicagoland area, but these colors look too much like the Bears. Yeah, um, I know Bears fans don't like it. Uh, I have I have friends who are Bears fans that say that the Broncos copied them. I think the, the, the part that bothers me the most is that the Broncos always wore the orange uniforms, and then the Bears came out with an orange uniform, and that's kind of, to me – that's the Bears copying the Broncos. I, quite frankly, I don't really care. Um, there are things that you do to make the uniform your own. There's a lot of teams that wear orange. There's a lot of teams that wear black. There's a lot of teams that wear blue. There's a lot of teams that wear red. I mean, it's a, there's so many uh, sort of cross-colored teams. I, I think the Broncos and the Bears are the closest as far as they both wear the orange and blue. And it's, I mean, navy it's very, it, and it is, it's the navy blue and it's very similar. To me, and I, I think you're right about it, the, the key to sort of keeping them separate is the Broncos should wear the the, the snot rocket D. That's the way to do it. And then also uh, just the orange uniforms in general. That's That should be the Broncos' home home uniform is that orange. Uh, I don't. It doesn't have to be orange pants. It doesn't have to be the color rush. It can be the white pants. No, I, I, don't, I, hate, I hate the all orange. They look like traffic cones. That are, or like creamsicles. I've heard the, the creamsicle that comparison. Too. That's a good one. Um, I, I, I don't mind them once. Like I'm cool with like, you want to wear that once a season? Okay, fine. Uh, I know I know the NFL is a business, and the more uniforms they can get you to buy, the more money they make, and that's, that's what they're there for. Although I'm not sure how the pants fit into that because not a lot of people running around in their – uh, their football pants. Like, you know, you buy a football jersey, yeah, but not football pants. What are you, six years old? Uh, it's just not something that you do. I, I mean, my my kid would wear football pants. If I bought him a football uniform, he'd wear it to school. He goes to school in his baseball uniform all the time. I'm like, did you wear your full uniform today? He's like, yeah. I'm like, okay, whatever. You're nine. I guess you can do whatever you want. If I showed up in a full Maybe baseball uniform, he, I'd get yelled he's probably, at. He's probably saving time because he does he do it when he has game days. He does, so like, yeah. Uh-huh. I don't want to change my clothes. Yeah, so I'm sometimes just wear it to school. Yeah, he do, he does. I, I get that. Yeah, except for and and here's the thing that you know if you're a baseball parent out there you'll understand this. He doesn't wear his sliding shorts and cup to school. So when he gets home, he's still got to put his sliding shorts and cup. Well, on. that doesn't make any sense. And so and so he's still changing essentially. So it's like what did what did we accomplish? Not much. So. Uh, but that's a that's a lesson that a, a nine year old can continue to learn. Whereas when you become an adult, you're not wearing sliding shorts in a cup anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Before uh, we get into the game, <laughs> I will say if you're listening to this and you haven't seen the Cortland Sutton photo in the orange rush uniform or the color rush uniform, but with the light blue, do it because it looks badass. That should be the every game uniform and every game logo. Yeah, I agree, and and I do like the light blue. I, I know some people don't. The old man, he's upstairs uh, as I'm recording because they're visiting. He does not like the light blue. He thinks it's an ugly color. Quite frankly, I kind of like it. I think it's uh, like you said, it's iconic. It's the color that it should be. They could go. You, do you remember the the year before? So when '96, which is a bad year, um, it was a good year, and then it was a bad year. They actually changed the color a little bit. They tweaked the blue. It didn't go to the full on navy but it got a little bit darker and that they, they still had the, the snot rocket D and it was still the orange uniform, but the blue got just a, just a smidge darker. It wasn't the, the sky blue or the baby blue or whatever. It was, it was just a little bit dark. It was, it wasn't, it was a little darker than a Royal blue, almost like a Duke blue. Do you remember that? Yeah. I, and maybe that's the happy medium. I, I think that's the direction to go there. I, I think that that might work. So, 
I don't know. Who do we call on that? Who's who should we start sending our letters to? Care of whoever does uniforms? Well, I mean, there's going to be a new owner come March, so you know it, it'll probably be left on a desk from your lips to the football god's ears. Because my goodness, uh, I don't, we're not going to get into an ownership conversation, but something's got to give, and I, and hopefully you're right. It will give in March because I can't. That, do this at the anymore. very least, we're still on the heels of that stomping of the Cowboys. There you go, and that is and that is something to to kind of continue to scratch your head at, and and this is a, I think a good conversation for us to continue because we talked about this in our post game recap, and I kind of wondered after we got done if the feeling would change, and you brought it nope, up before it we started. Hasn't. No, it hasn't changed at all. Uh, I still don't know what I don't know what to make of that win. I don't know what to make of this team. I don't know what to make of the future. I don't know what it means for the future. It is baffling to say the least. Still, to me, and a win's a win, and we love it. But where are we going? And what does it mean for Sunday? I, I mean, I told you I don't have any confidence about this game because no one expected that. So is is that what this team is? Who is this team? What is this team? Who are the coaches? Who are the players? What? the hell is going on to steal a line from the great Vince Lombardi? What the hell is going on out there? Yeah, or your, or your Jim Halpert uh, fans out there. What is going on? Uh, it is. Yeah, I like that too. <laughs> it also works. I thought you were going to go with the who is, what is, and then I thought you were going to go with the why is from uh, uh, the uh, Avengers. Uh, was it in game? I think it was. No, it was. Uh, yeah, I think it was Avengers in game. I don't remember. It was either that or infinity war where, uh, Tony Stark and 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 Drax go. Who is Gamora? Why is Gamora? <laughs> what is Gamora? Why is Gamora? Like what is going on here? That's where I thought you were going. Anyway, people who are listening to this know I butchered it, and it doesn't matter. Uh, I do think, and, and this is something that is interesting. I do think this defense is going to continue to be kind of what they were against the Cowboys, and the reason I think that is because this is this is the type of defense that Vic Fangio wants to coach. And we had this conversation before we started recording, and I think it's an interesting sort of theory that I've come up with, and I'm guessing other people have come up with it as well or, or may have also thought of it, and we talked about it already. I think that Vic Fangio coaches this defense better when Von Miller isn't on the field. And Von Miller not even being available against the Cowboys for Vic Fangio was helpful because he didn't know how to use Von Miller. He didn't know he was he was dropping his best pass rusher back into coverage because he thought he needed to use him as a decoy or his athleticism was so good that whatever. And it was it was messing up the defense in some ways. And and the defense had been okay. They hadn't given up a lot of points, but they just never looked right. They looked right against the Cowboys. They looked mean and scary until the till garbage time. And it's the first time they really looked like that all year. And Von Miller was gone. He was nowhere to be seen. He was not playing for the Rams, apparently. And as bizarre and weird as it is to hear that, I think it's absolutely right. I I don't know how a defensive genius like Vic Fangio doesn't know how to utilize a guy like Von Miller. But clearly his defense didn't suffer from the lack of Von Miller. Well, and we have especially against the Cowboys. Yeah, but we, and we have evidence of that 
from 2020 as well when Von Miller wasn't on the field and the Broncos defense was pretty darn good, even though they didn't Especially win a lot against of games. the Chiefs. Exactly. So it, it's interesting to note that for whatever reason, and I love I loved your analogy of it, so I'm gonna steal it and just just enjoy that I'm stealing this from you. It's like a it's like a chef going from uh cooking at McDonald's to cooking at at would you say Shanahan's? I guess because Shanahan's yeah. steakhouse. Shanahan's or Elway's. Yeah, or Elway's or or just a good steakhouse. He doesn't know what to do with this wonderful ingredient that he has. He just wants to go back to flipping burgers because that's what he was good at. Yeah, he has. He he's been used to having not very good ingredients to deal with, and then he has this prime all beef, no fat fillet, and he tries to nuke it. Little, little microwave the Kobe beef kind of with the it's got all the marbling which is fat by the way and it's delicious uh but you, you know the nice marbling and then he just throws it in the microwave and hopes it turns out okay because that's what you do at the old restaurant uh and you've just ruined that piece of meat so uh, it's, it's I, I I guess I guess Vic Fangio is going to be happy to not have to worry about what do I do with Von Miller I would much rather have the other problem but I suppose whatever works for Vic Fangio and makes this team better and gives him a shot at winning and, and, and I also think that the other part of this that is interesting is this game against Philadelphia is not, I, I, I don't, like you said, I don't have a lot of confidence in this team. And it's partly because I think that the Eagles offense has some issues for the Broncos defense that they struggle with. And so it will be a, a tougher game than I think a lot of people are feeling like it should be, especially coming off of, just an absolute whooping that they put on them boys. And Philadelphia still has a, a good defense. It has a defense that can get pressure on the quarterback and has a secondary that, that can cover and, and make plays on the ball. And the thing that I keep coming back to in my mind is after such a huge win, isn't there going to be a natural letdown the next week? I mean, I get it. They completely flogged the Dallas Cowboys. Like they, they took them out behind Jerry world and flogged the Cowboys. No one expected it. I mean, there might've been a few who were like, I think it'll be closer, but I don't think anyone thought that the Broncos were going to go into Jerry world and beat the Cowboys. I'm glad they did. I hate the Cowboys. I hate Jerry Jones. But after a game like that, the key is going to be not having that natural letdown. You just had the win of the year potentially in the NFL against a Super Bowl contender, against a team a lot of people thought could go and compete for a Super Bowl with an MVP candidate coming back from injury. Now you're coming home against the Philadelphia team that just lost on a last-second field goal to the Chargers. I find it interesting. The Broncos are 3-0 and against the NFC East. The Eagles are 0-3 against the AFC West. I just That's very interesting to me. But <laughs> it's popped up. <laughs> I, I just, like I said at the top, like we've been saying on the post-game podcast, what the hell is this team and what is going to happen on Sunday? Yeah, it's a it's it's a huge question, and the the key here that and I don't I don't really know that we're going to get into the keys here. I guess we will eventually, but one of the things that is interesting about it is 
the the defense is going to be what the defense is. I don't think there's any question that like we just got done talking about Vic Fangio is comfortable with this defense and with a lack of Von Miller. He, he he feels like he can make this defense work and he has. The offensive side of the ball is where the question marks really do come in because what offense will we be watching when when the Eagles take on the Broncos at mile high? I mean, will we be watching the offense that destroyed the Cowboys because that was fun to watch or will we be watching an offense that was inept in every sense of the word against the Washington football team even in a win they were inept against the Washington football team so which offense are we going to be subjected to because it's going to matter against Philadelphia the Eagles it will matter the Eagles will put up some points it will be it will be a struggle and you can't be you can't be bipolar in the NFL and be successful. It, it just doesn't work. You can't have those those types of of gigantic manic swings where you're back and forth. One week you're incredible and the next week you're awful and expect sustained su- success. That was harder to say than I thought it would be. So what are we what are we in for? Is the question. That's I mean that's the thing that how do you predict this game? when who knows which side of the pendulum the Broncos are going to be on this week. And I think defensively, they could actually get better because they didn't have Malik Reed against the Cowboys, and he's their best pass rusher. So if he plays, they automatically just got better. There's some question around Pat Sertan, whether or not he's going to play. I think I, I saw he was probably going to miss this week. That, I think that's the consensus right now. Um Graham Glasgow, at least uh, on the offensive side of the ball, was put on IR. But Pat Sertan is dealing with a knee injury. I, I He left the Cowboys game. There's all kinds of injuries and issues on the offensive line. Garrett Bowles is probably going to be out another week with his, with his ankle. I, I'm curious when we start to see Bradley Chubb coming back because he – should be coming close. It's probably going to be after the bye, so it's probably not going to happen this Sunday. But Bobby Massey is dealing with an ankle injury. He's going to be out a couple weeks. So, <laughs> I, I mean, but it didn't matter on Sunday. I mean, they just plugged and played next man up on the offensive line, which is great to see because if they run the football like that, they will win games in the National Football League. They, they will be a contender. If they run the ball like that, if they open lanes for Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon the rest of the season that way, and that's consistent, they will win a lot of games in the remainder of the season. Yeah, I, I have no doubt that that is certainly possible. Uh, it's interesting. You started talking about the offensive line, and, and seriously, you're, the starting offensive line is probably going to consist of Quinn Miners, uh, Nitan Muti, uh, Calvin Anderson at left tackle. Who, Schlotman's going to get play. I, I mean, it is. Yeah, he just he just came off the uh, uh, IR, I believe. Practice. They signed him off the practice squad or something like that. Yeah, they're they they're bringing him up. <laughs> it's like that offensive line is is just a it's a hodgepodge and a and a collage of players that you didn't expect to see, but. Like you said, they plug and played against the Cowboys to great success. And it's funny because it does kind of bring us to a, a funny little moment from this week with the players and their interviews. And the 
the sort of the the statement by Javante Williams. Somebody asked him about uh, the the game plan, and he sort of said that they didn't really have a plan. That Pat Shermer just sort of goes with the feel of the game, uh, and and you can take that in two ways with with that particular quote. And I'm just sort of paraphrasing what he said there. One way is, well, they don't have a plan because Pat Shermer goes with the flow of the game, which is great if that's something that uh, he actually does. Uh, the other way you can take that is that 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 can't actually be true because we've been watching this game, this team all season. It doesn't feel like he's ever gone with the flow of the game until they played the Cowboys. And maybe he's learned his lesson. Maybe he's got something figured out. But that was a that was a funny moment and and just to me and that you can I know he meant it as a compliment right you know Javante Williams was like wow coach is just adapting to the game but everybody who's been watching this season had to roll their eyes and go see he's got no plan well and as we get into our keys to the game I'm going to take Tim Lynch's the managing editor for Mile High Report I'm going to take his first Tim's key to the game was Pat Sherber continue to wing it on game day Williams noted that they had no legit plan going into the game against the Cowboys, which means Shermer called the game based on what was working in the game. Shermer has always been a pretty good play designer, but he has been a shit play caller. And maybe that was due to his scripting of the game in the week leading up to the game. Tim continues, it would be amazing if his change to winging it on game day turns out to be a massive improvement in offensive play calling during games. It's one game, though. So I have to see more of it this week against the Eagles. Makes perfect sense. It really does. I, I mean, if if planning it out wasn't working for you, then yeah, just go on out there and wing it and see how it goes. Generally speaking, in most uh, most lines of work, most professions, if you're just going out and winging it, you're probably going to get in trouble. Uh, it's probably going to cause you to find yourself in a bad spot. But if that's what they did against the Cowboys, do that again. It seemed to be, to be just exactly what the doctor ordered. Uh, my key to the game was simple: turnovers. Win the turnover battle, and you win the game. Uh, there's, there's That's really what they no did other against way to say the Cowboys. It. Exactly. Uh, they, they won that turnover battle, and because they won the turnover battle, they were able to win the game. Also, I guess another key to the game would be to have a blocked punt end up as a first down for you. I think that would also be helpful. Uh, I don't know if that's uh, one of the things you can plan for, but it certainly was a big moment in the game against the Cowboys. And if they have another game like or another moment like that, I think that will help. And, and that sort of calls into sort of this understanding of the, the luck of football. We know that the, the talent level in the NFL is so close on every team that a lot of times it's, it's very minute, the, the separation between teams. And that particular play against the Cowboys was one of those moments that really shifted the flow of the game and allowed the Broncos to continue to, to play well and you know gain yards and get points and all those things. If that had gone the other way, we'd be talking about a completely different uh, setup right now. So uh, a little luck wouldn't hurt as well as I kind of as you kind of look at it here. Not only do you want to win the turnover battle, but you'd also like to get a little bit lucky. Like it would have been even luckier if Caden Stearns had picked that one ball off and returned it for a touchdown when he was just so close to a pick six. But we'll take the one interception from Stearns. That was pretty good. And my key to the game, I touched on it earlier, keep running the ball. Broncos country has wanted to see Javante Williams get more carries and the rookie delivered. On 17 carries, Pookie got 111 yards rushing. That was good enough for six and a half yards per rush. 
And I will add that Williams is so much fun to watch, and he brings an angry running to this offense. He should win angry runs every week from Kyle Brandt on Good Morning Football. But keep feeding him. Heck, keep feeding Melvin Gordon. As long as the offensive line run blocks as it did against Dallas, that's how Denver keeps winning games. Well, and we've talked about how Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams together are, are actually very effective. And it's not that they have hugely different running styles. I think that's the other thing that's interesting. Remember the old days of thunder and lightning, and you've got one back that pounds and the other back that's fast. I don't really think that's that's the situation here. Melvin Gordon is a good, intelligent uh, veteran running back who understands the game and understands run lanes and understands just the process of being a running back in the NFL. Pookie is just a rookie. Just pound it in there and let's make it happen. But they, they complement each other very well. And it's not because they're opposites. And it's not because they do things so differently. It's because they are just different enough, just dissimilar enough, that it changes things up for the defense. And it allows for Melvin Gordon to hit big holes. And it, it sort of gives Javante Williams the opportunity to, to make those big angry runs and whatnot. And, and I think it does mess with defenses when they're both on. So... We saw against the Cowboys, 17 rushes for Javante Williams, 21 rushes for Melvin Gordon. I think that's about the right mix where they're close but not right on. They ha- they're they not going to have the same exact numbers every week, but they they have the ability to kind of wear down a defense and control the defense in a way that then opens things up for Teddy Bridgewater to go deep to Tim Patrick for a touchdown, for example, because you've got to worry about what's going on up on the line. So you're right. I think keep giving the ball to Javante Williams and for that matter, keep giving the the ball to Melvin Gordon and and just use the run game because that's that's how you control the clock. It's how you control the line of scrimmage. It's how you control the game. And and that's what the Broncos have to do to win. Uh, It's a good one. I like yours. That was, that was good. Wish it would, wish it had been mine. It wasn't, I was turnovers. Well, they're both important. That's (laughs) as cliche as it is. That's, how you win football games. We should call this our cliche segment, right? We we don't really have segments, but if we did, this would be our cliche segment because it's how you, the inches we need, right? Or something like that. The John Madden segment. The John, I like that the, because it's so obvious. What would our uh, Andy Reid segment be? Would just be, it would be the one where we talked about meat, right? That was earlier. Yeah, that was, that was just going to say that the one that we talk about meat and uh-huh. Andy Reid says, yes, <laughs> he'll even eat the steak if it was put in the microwave. I like it. I like it. All right, players to watch. Let's do it. Uh, Offense, go. Offensive line, and then I'll include Pat Shermer in that. I mean, does he continue to wing it, or does he go back to being Pat Shermer? Legit, I like that. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Teddy Bridgewater. Again, this is our cliche segment. Why not? Um, I'll be curious to see if he can continue, because he played really well against the Cowboys. He had had good poise in the pocket. He He didn't get panicky. Uh, we've seen we've seen him panic at times when the offensive line struggled. I'll be curious to see how he does in this one. I, I think he's got an opportunity to sort of take over the game a little bit, especially if the running attack that we just got done talking about can be successful and if the offensive line can kind of stay stout, if you will. Is that a, is that a word? Yeah, stay stout. I like it. I'm, I'm rolling with it. Uh, defense? I'm going to go with the edge, guys. They're going to have to hold containment or, as the cliche goes, hold their water and keep Jalen Hurts in the pocket because it, it, he he's he's a very mobile quarterback. I wouldn't say that he's as good of a runner as Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray, but 
he's definitely an athletic quarterback, and this defense struggles against mobile athletic quarterbacks, and that's what Jalen Hurts is. And then can the secondary continue to do what they did and not give up big plays? Because I think that's something that Jalen Hurts can do is he'll lull a defense to sleep with his ability to to make plays with his feet, but then he can make plays deep with his arm too because Kareem Jackson and Justin Simmons may have to come in to help contain and, and keep him from making big plays with his feet. And then that allows him to connect on deep plays with his receivers downfield. So to me, it's all about the edge guys and ensuring that Jalen Hurts stays in the pocket. Yeah, I actually I was going to say Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson because of just what you talked about. They played really well against the Cowboys. And I know that Simmons, Justin Simmons' numbers weren't great if you want to look at his stats. But if you just watch the way he played that game, he was huge when it came to just containing the Cowboys' offense and making sure that the defense was set properly and, and having everybody in place and, and making good plays. And then Kareem Jackson was all over the place, like he always is. They're going to have to do exactly like you said, make sure that they are at the line of scrimmage when necessary, right, on running on running attacks or running plays, and then not allowing Philadelphia's offense to get behind them. Because if they do, Philadelphia's got weapons that can beat you um, and – and like Jalen Rager, for example, gets behind you, you're not catching him. So it will be important for Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson to be at the top of their game. So they'll be an interesting group to watch as well. Uh, and then obviously, I think just throwing in the defensive line there, if, if they can get good push up front, that's going to help with those edge rushers and it's going to make life easier uh, for Jackson and Simmons on the back end, which is something that they definitely need. Uh, you got a score prediction? I do. I'm not entirely confident on it, but I'm going to go 27-24 Broncos. So the exact same score that the Eagles just lost to the Chargers. They will lose in back-to-back weeks to an AFC West opponent to the same score. Oh, I kind of like that. That's fun. On a last-second Brandon McManus field goal or... No, they actually missed the field goal that could tie it. Oh, that's harsh. That's mean. I, I, I'll, I'll take it. I like, I like that though. Uh, I'm gonna go 21-13 Broncos. Um, I think they get three scores. I think they're all touchdowns, and I think the defense continues to contain the the offense of their opponent, which in this case will be the Eagles. And I think they get a win here. I think we, I think we may have seen a, a bit of a, a turning of the corner for this team against the Cowboys. When you play a team like that. You said, can they repeat it? I'm not sure if they can repeat it, but I think it's going to give the Broncos the confidence they need going into Sunday against the Eagles. Hopefully it's not overconfidence, but uh, I suppose we will find out for sure. Uh, all right. Now, of course, <laughs> that we both predicted a win. I know. Oops. <laughs> you know what? I'm Just sticking saying. With Yeah. Well, do you want, I can switch mine if, if, that, if you think it'll help. I mean, it's not like no, you're wearing I, all orange. I mean, that's the way the season is going. Like we just literally have no idea. It's it it is. It's a it's a topsy turvy world. And when we when we do our post game recap, maybe we'll both be upside down. Who knows? All right, let's do this. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll do our whip around the league. We'll take a look at the AFC West in particular, and then we will, of course, say go Broncos. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, Ian, some uh, interesting slates. Interesting slates of games. Yeah, I'm going to leave it in. Um, some interesting games coming up. Usually we start off with the AFC West, but you had talked about something interesting prior to us recording. And it just so happens that the game that's going to start the week is a big part of that discussion. So let's jump in and talk about Ravens Dolphins on Thursday night. And the main reason I wanted to talk about it is when you look at the various sports books and you look at the MVP odds, Lamar Jackson isn't the favorite. It's Josh Allen, Tom Brady, Kyler Murray, Matthew Stafford. I don't know how anyone who has watched the first nine weeks of the National Football League can look at that and say Lamar Jackson is not the MVP. You take Lamar Jackson off of the Baltimore Ravens, they are a one- or two-win football team at best. With him, they're in contention to win the AFC at 6-2. and two. I think the stat that I heard from Ryan Clark and Dan Orlovsky on Get Up on ESPN the Ravens have three wins when they've been trailing by double digits at halftime. That's a lot. <laughs> Why are you trailing by double digits at halftime? That's a that's an interesting but the, question. But the only reason they do win is because of Lamar Jackson. The defense is a mess, which is weird when you talk about the Ravens, especially with Wink Martindale as a defensive coordinator and John Harbaugh as the head coach. They always have good defense in Baltimore. And the fact that the defense is struggling for the Ravens this season is weird. But he has no running backs. I think they're on, what, Devontae Freeman now? Yeah, who Freeman scored he was a touchdown last week. Falcons? I mean, that was the last time he was good? Yeah. I, he has no receivers. He has the highest drop rate in the National Football League. He has the deepest attempts per completion, I believe. So if his receivers catch passes, his his passing stats are going to go up. He's obviously incredible running the football. How is he not the MVP at this point? I get it. Everyone loves Tom Brady. Matt Stafford, despite what he did against the Titans, because Matt Stafford is the reason they lost to the Titans, that stupid interception when even the, the referee 
was talking about how had he just given himself up, it wouldn't have been a safety. And then he throws the pick six. I mean, Matt Stafford is the reason they lost to the Titans. Kyler Murray is still above Lamar Jackson, and he didn't even play last week. It's kind of an interesting uh, phenomenon there with Lamar and, Jackson. And then Josh Allen got owned by Josh Allen and was completely horrible. I mean, Josh Allen looked like the Josh Allen from the first two years against the Jaguar against the Jaguars. Yeah, you know, not to play devil's advocate, but I suppose I, sh- I should try and, and give the other side. Every single, every single player that you mentioned on that list has been MVP caliber this year. Every single one. Oh, yeah. of them. 100%. And, and I totally there's, agree there's no way around that. But I do think it's fascinating. Football is one of those sports where, uh, especially with the quarterback position, you take one guy off. You know, you talk about like wins above replacement, right? Baseball's big on war, wins above replacement, and and other war stats. And I don't know what goes into it as far as the analytics are involved and whatnot. I never understand that stuff. And you know how I am with numbers. I hate war. It gives it. It gives me a headache. And and so I'm going to talk about it a little bit. I hate war on multiple levels. Yeah. What is it good for? Absolutely. Absolutely nothing. nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm glad we. I'm glad we got that in. That was fun. I do think, though, if you want to use that stat for the NFL, Lamar Jackson is one of those guys that his war is whatever they would have won, they would have lost. Like, that's just like that's that's the stat for Lamar Jackson right now. I don't know if it's that much different, though, for a Kyler Murray, because who who's replacing Kyler Murray in well, Arizona? Colt McCoy did it on Sunday, I suppose. That, and that maybe hurts. Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, who's replacing Josh Allen? Who's who's replacing Matt Stafford? Because we know what they were with Jared Goff as their quarterback with the Rams. Well, they went what, to a Super Bowl with Jared Goff. Did they go with Jared Goff or did Jared Goff get a ride? You know what I'm saying? Like that's that's par- partially well, you know what? I and that's actually not fair. That offense put up what was it? That was the the year they put up like 50 something against the the Chiefs and they Chiefs. had that 50, they yeah, it was the 50-burger to 50-burger, and they just barely beat them. But, I mean, so maybe that's not fair. But I, I guess my point is this. I think you're right that Lamar Jackson is the guy who, if you took him off of his team and you took all those other quarterbacks off their team, Tom Brady is as well, all of those teams are worse. There's no doubt about that. You know, that's, that's not even a question. So they all make their teams better. And Tom Brady proved that he made his team a Super Bowl-winning team when he showed up in Tampa Bay. So it's it's a, a difficult argument to make, but Lamar Jackson is the one who gives them the most wins above replacement for his team, I think. So I think you're right about that. To to me, that just means go put a bet on on Lamar Jackson because if the rest of the season continues to play out the way it has, he's only going to continue to get better as far as odds go. He's only going to become a more likely candidate to win. And so you might as well throw throw a dollar or two down on it and see what happens. Maybe more than a dollar. The best market that I've seen so far, DraftKings has Lamar Jackson at plus 1,000. FanDuel is even better at plus 1,100. So if they're in your state, may might want to consider it. I got $10. Throw it out there. Why not? Couldn't hurt. I mean, it could hurt. I don't know. I don't know. Might hurt, but probably not. 
betting doesn't usually hurt. So that's just kind of a, that's a, an interesting game to start with because that is a very interesting conversation. And so uh, I, I think the Ravens probably win that game because the last I checked, Lamar Jackson was going to be playing. So there you and go. And there's still doubt whether or not Tua Viola is going to play or if it's going to be Jacoby Brissett. Yeah. I think the Ravens defense can handle either of those quarterbacks. Yeah, I, I, I think the Ravens win that. And I think they might even win it if Lamar Jackson didn't play, but that's uh, neither here nor there. All right, let's jump back to the AFC West, which is where we usually start. Uh, the Chargers and the Vikings play um, on Sunday, and then also the Chiefs and Raiders play on Sunday night. So uh, kind of an interesting interesting week as far as the Chiefs and Raiders go. You know that's going to be a big matchup. Chiefs are kind of on the winning track. They won. I mean, they, they've won a couple games, I guess. Well, if you watched that game and didn't think – the Packers probably would have blown the Chiefs out if Aaron Rodgers plays. They would have blown the Chiefs out if Aaron Rodgers plays. There is no doubt. It wouldn't have even been close. Legitimately would not have been close. Are you saying it would have Aaron been? Aaron Rodgers played. Are you saying it would have been further apart than Jordan Love's mom was from the actual game? Yeah, absolutely. And she would, she, so Jordan Love's mom and his wife were basically like Overland Park, Kansas. <laughs> that game would they would have been in Lawrence. Like that's the, maybe even to Topeka. You could even go that that would have been the distance between the Packers and the Chiefs if Aaron Rodgers plays. Kansas City to Topeka. You so could even do in the Dodge City. I might even do Dodge City. So, so you're saying they would have been in a completely different state because Kansas City as we all know is in Missouri. And Correct. <laughs> Well, maybe we don't all know it, but most we know it. We know it. I don't know if most Chiefs fans know that. Oh, I don't. You know what a fun, what a fun fan fan uh, fan base that is. The, no, but, they're not. But they are playing the Raiders, who are still Even mired worse. in turmoil. I mean, Raiders going to Raider, I guess. Yikes! I, I mean, what the hell is going on? In, I mean, this is. I mean, you could talk about an evergreen question. What the hell is going on in Vegas? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but now seriously. it involves the NFL and the Raiders. <laughs> Yeah, it's it, it's it's tragic in some ways. You know, it's it's very. it's very sad to see that just in general. I mean, and as much as I hate the Raiders and I hate the Raiders, uh, you know, th- this is sad to watch. And it's 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 got to end at some point, but I don't think it's going to end on Sunday. I actually think the Chiefs are going to win that game. I um, do, but I, I will say, I have a lot of newfound respect for Derek Carr and the way he handled the Henry Ruggs situation. He was very human about it. He was a, I mean, he stepped up and he, he actually said, what could I have done differently to let Henry Ruggs know that I was there for him? It was a very emotional response and one that shows the man that I think Derek Carr is. So I have a lot of newfound respect for him. Even, even though he is the Raiders quarterback, I thought the way that he handled that and the way that he stepped up and was very emotional and raw about it and put it on himself, asking that question, what could I have done differently? I think speaks to who Derek Carr is. Yeah. I still struggle with the way he handled the Gruden stuff. The very quick to forgive. Um, not really. I, to me, that one, it, 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 you get a mix with Derek Carr. You know, Derek Carr is, is, like you said, I agree with you as far as the way he um, approached the Henry Ruggs stuff. But his approach to what was going on with John Gruden 
and and the fact that uh, he he that I, I can't get over that. So I guess maybe it balances out, and I can just continue to dislike him because he's the Raiders quarterback, and that works for me. Um, but there's there were two sides to that, and uh, the way he handled the Henry Rugg stuff was admirable. I'll, I'll give you that, and it and it was something that. Uh, that's a, that is a horrible tragedy that, that will follow that team for the rest of this year. The this season is going to be, um, sort of sitting under a dark cloud because of that and, and the other things that have happened and it's too bad. And yeah, I, I'm, I don't have much else to say about that. It's uh, that's the Raiders for you, I suppose. Um, but hopefully something changes a little bit there. Cause that's, that was a sad situation. Um, and then you got the Chargers and the Vikings. A happier, a happier thing to talk about, maybe. I don't know. Um, Vikings are going to Los Angeles to play the Chargers, which means all of the Vikings fans are going to travel to Los Angeles, and nobody will be there. Which to watch is what the they Chargers. do anyway, because yeah. they're snowbirds. <laughs> so, so that'll be an interesting game. Uh, there's the Dalvin Cook news. Who knows what's going to happen with that? Um, there's some issues there with text messages and and uh, assault charges and and some things going on there. So who knows? who will be the, the running back when the Vikings take on the Chargers in Los Angeles. That probably bodes well for Los Angeles, I suppose. I, I think the way that the Vikings are going right now to lose the way they did to the Cowboys, to Cooper Rush, I, I mean, there is not a lot of faith in Mike Zimmer in Skull Nation right now. So... It, It'll be interesting to see. I I watched the 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 end of the Chargers Eagles game. Justin Herbert is a fun quarterback to watch, and Brandon Staley. I mean, I joked about uh, Vic Fangio being a riverboat gambler and going for two points when they were down thirty-one nothing. Brandon Staley is a fun coach to watch, and the the players definitely have buy-in with him on that chargers roster. Yeah. I, I will I'm jump in on Staley there because he has, he has proven himself to be uh, someone that I think, I think the players for the chargers really like um, in the wake of the John Gruden stuff, not to continue to go back to that. He had had a very good, uh, very measured, well thought out statement about that and about um, the mantle of coach being something that is very important uh, and earned. And I, I really respected that I, I had a lot of respect for that and and was impressed by him and and you're right Justin Herbert is another guy who just has completely impressed me as a kid who goes out there and and plays the game the right way um I, I I'll admit I missed on him in the draft I, I was like no I don't want anything to do with that guy uh, apparently I was wrong on that and so um uh, that that's that's a team that to me could be very dangerous uh Mike Williams if they can get him going again Keenan Allen is always is always dangerous you have you you have Eckler and I mean it's that's just a that's a good team and then the defensive side you get Joey Bosa and when they're healthy they're scary I think they probably beat the Vikings it's a it'll be a tough game but I think they'll beat the Vikings yeah I agree with that and then the interesting thing that I'm looking at is the teams that lost last week how do they respond so the Bills against the Jets even if Mike White comes back the Bills should handle the Jets but there was thought that the Bills would handle the Jaguars, and they just lost nine to six to the Jacksonville Jaguars. How yeah. did the Rams respond to that loss to the Titans against San Francisco? 
Packers Seahawks is going to be interesting. It seems like Aaron Rodgers is on path to play. We'll know by Saturday. That's when he'll be cleared. They host the Seahawks. Looks like Russell Wilson is going to be back. Obviously, he talk about a wins above replacement. I think Seahawks fans would much rather have Russell Wilson than Geno Smith. The other one you missed was the Saints and the Titans. The Saints are are on a bounce back there as well. So, oh yeah, yeah. The Titans are going to easily handle the Saints. I well, don't say I, it that way. I, I really need Alvin Kamara to score a lot of points for me in fantasy football. So, uh, perhaps it could be a close game where the Saints lose, but Alvin Kamara scores like four or five touchdowns. How about that? How about how and then about obviously, like that? and then the Cowboys against the Falcons. That's that is a that is an interesting one. Can the are the Cowboys? what the Broncos showed them to be, or are the Cowboys what they had been for the rest of the season? I, I don't know. That's a good question. And then I think the team that has surprised me the most this year is the New England Patriots. They currently sit at 5-4, and four, a game behind the Bills for the AFC East. And now the Browns go into Foxborough without Nick Chubb because he's on the COVID-19 list in COVID protocol. And I highly doubt DeErnest Johnson is going to do to the Patriots what he did to the Broncos. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos.